I would like to see everybody start to love each other. And I know that sounds like uh, 60s stuff. I'd like to see people a lot more optimistic. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Jeff Mara podcast. If you're listening to this podcast on your mobile device or in your car or wherever, I just want you to know that there's a video for this podcast on my YouTube channel, Jeff Mara podcast. Today's guest is Scott D. Fine. He is the author of the books Strange AF, and if you know slang, you'll know what AF means, and he is also the author of the book UFOs and Strange MFing S. And again, I'm sure you can kind of figure those things out. I am just kind of trying to keep this podcast clean, but you know, sometimes it misses the mark, but that's okay. So... Anyways, Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it. That's great. All right. So what inspired you to write these books? Let's like we even start with the first one, the book about aliens and UFOs. What inspired you to write that book? Did you have an alien encounter? Did you see a UFO? Were you abducted or what happened? Well, I can honestly say I don't think I was abducted. Um this starts in childhood. You know, some of my heroes were, of course, Eric Von, you know, Daniken. Um, Thomas Good wrote a book, a really, really good book called Above Top Secret. Mm-hmm. Also a big sci-fi fan. I was a big Close Encounters of the Third Kind fan. Mm-hmm. So that was probably a few of the very things that inspired me to do this as I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the... Uh, other things that happened um, when I was a child, we moved to Florida. And um, while living in Florida, we were taking a car trip um, around Orlando, I believe. And I was probably about seven or eight years old. Um, my mother and father were in the front. Mm-hmm. Me and my younger sister were in the back with my cousin, Joanne. Um Nobody else in the car seems to, you know, to this day want to talk about it or can remember what happened. But I do remember I was sitting on the passenger side in the back seat and I heard someone exclaim, look out your right window. And it was over the ocean. We were on like a a secondary road. And I saw this shadow, classic flying saucer. Now, I'm not saying it actually was when you're a child, you know, you could, your imagination kind of runs wild on you. But I noticed that everybody else in the car seemed to notice what it was. It, looked, it was more like a shadow. It wasn't a clear picture. And it seemed like it kept on getting closer and closer to our car. Hmm. And when it got real close, I passed out. You passed out? I don't remember. I passed out. I fainted wow. right in my car. Yeah. Um, nobody seems to recollect that could have been my imagination, but I got to tell you, honestly, I think it really happened, whatever it was. And Ah. I don't know what happened. I've never gone for, to a doctor to bring up those memories or anything like that. You know, you just kind of grow up and you remember that it just sticks in your brain. Mm -hmm. It's always there. Hmm. Um, later on in life, you know, I watched, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Mm-hmm. You know, it was a very, very good movie. Great movie. I thought it was uh, Spielberg. Yeah, Steven Spielberg is a genius. Mm-hmm. Just a really good movie. It's so good they can't even make it. So, mm-hmm. um, the other instance 
I was probably in my mid twenties. I still lived in upstate New York outside of Watertown. Um, we were driving, me and another companion were driving to a place called Copenhagen. It's a small town outside of Watertown. And, um, the individual next to me pointed to something, you know, straight up in the sky. And, uh, it had like Christmas lights to it. It was uh, probably the size of a football field, maybe larger. Hmm. It was basically coming out of, uh, from the left to the right in your viewing you know, through your windshield. I, I pulled the car over and I just got out and looked and just, you couldn't hear anything. Mm. So it was a cloudy day and we could see it so clearly. I was surprised nobody else had pulled over to notice it. And basically it just silently just disappeared in the clouds and I never saw it again. We got back to my apartment at the time and uh, the individual had was on the phone with her uncle and apparently they had seen it about five miles before because he was out doing yard work. So, you know, pretty incredible. I couldn't get a picture of it, obviously, because we didn't have cell phones at the time, you know, just snap pictures whenever you wanted. Uh, the third instance took place when I, in probably, I want to say, 2010. Uh, me and my wife had just got back together out of a 19-year hiatus. Mm. Um we were in a place called Sandusky, Ohio, because I moved to Ohio in 94. Now, Sandusky is basically a tourist attraction. They have a place called Cedar Point, which is an amusement park. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that being in Texas, but we were laying by the pool, just getting some sun. And I happened to, crystal clear day, just happened to look up straight up, and you could see for miles. And um, it just appeared to be like a cylinder, a white cylinder, just cloudless day, moving way up there. Hmm. And me and my, my wife saw it, you know, it was just, it was crazy. Let me backtrack to you, to your first encounter um, when you passed out. Do you know if anybody had any missing time? I've asked myself that many times. Mm -hmm. um, it's either people... People in the car that were with me are too embarrassed to talk about it, or they really just don't remember. Hmm. Yeah, because I think that people who do have experiences in their car, people do experience missing time, things like that. And also, I think it's a common thing with UFO or alien encounters that you don't remember anything because they erase it. Have you ever considered getting hypnosis to see if there's anything there? I thought about it, but, you know, you get doing other things. You don't really, yeah. you know, I can, pretty, I can, I can see it crystal clear in my mind, exactly everything that happened. Mm -hmm. But like you said, if you get, if you get put under hypnosis, there's always a possibility of suggestion right. that comes with it. Right. So you, you never know quite clearly if you're paying somebody to make up a story for you. Or if you actually, you know, had these visions and things. Because there's a lot of people out there looking to make money off that kind of thing. And they'll do it by any means necessary. Right. I was listening to a UFO researcher today. And he said that actually in his research that conscious accounts are very inaccurate. But hypnotic accounts are a lot better. And he said that when he 
and this is like a PhD guy. I don't even know his name, but he was, I listened to him speak about it. And um, the first time he hypnotized somebody, it would be about 60% accurate. Then the next time it would be about 70. And the next time it would be about 80. And by about the fourth time, it would be about, and their recounts would be about 90% accurate or more. And I believe it was that he just, people learned how to relax over time and could access the memories better. But I don't know. I mean, you have a valid point too. You have to definitely, I guess, try to find someone who's, there to help you, not just to, you know, make money from you. The second one's very interesting too, because I've heard of somebody who had said that they had seen a large triangular shaped UFO fly over, but I think they, the person said it was about the size of a football field, which is what you said. And the person also said it was completely silent. Uh, do you remember what shape it was that you, the one you saw? Was it rectangular like a football field? Yeah, it was rectangular completely and had like uh, green, white, and red lights. So hmm. they were obviously in the Christmas spirit, apparently. Right, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The third one was, oh, you saw one way up in the air. That's kind of a harder one, but it didn't look like an airplane, right? You said it was cylinder no, shape. or. It was cylinder shape. I think it was one of ours, quite honestly. Oh, it could have been ours. All right. Well, in your book, when you write about aliens and UFOs, I believe you take a lot of historical data and you take popular beliefs of certain cultures and you kind of come up with your own theories. Do you want to give me an example of one? Well, I think the very first uh, example I have is, um, I don't want to give too much away, obviously, in the book. But a few instances, a lot of people are hungry and thirsty for disclosure. Right. Um, in my opinion, disclosure has actually already happened at least three times. And people just either haven't noticed it or they it's not enough for them. What are those three in times? In my opinion, the first one obviously was Roswell. Okay. They put it in a newspaper. They disclosed it. Obviously, the government, for one reason or another, came back and said, no, we don't want this out there for one reason or another. Um, to me, it seemed very, like everybody out there, very, you know, suspicious why they decided to change the story. And they've changed it a bit, two or three times since. But to me, that was the first instance of disclosure. Mm-hmm. Because not it's like not everybody can be making up a a story in line there's got to be some realm of truth to it yes so back then the media was a little more honest and i hate to use that term with media because like you know if there's money to be made somewhere there's going to be dishonesty that follows um but i consider roswell to be the actual first disclosure of there being other life off this planet um, the secondary time, I believe, was the, uh, I think it was in the 1950s, they had to fly over the Capitol. There was, it was in the newspapers, and they didn't try to discredit it. They actually had moving film of the saucers. I guess they showed up one night, and then they showed up again, and they just made a complete, you know, flyover of the Capitol in good formation. To me, that was a secondary disclosure that people just seemed to ignore or were oblivious to. Mm. 
The third instance, obviously, where the film that was taken in 2014, 2015 recently and disclosed in 2019. It's right there for everybody to see. I guess everybody is basically waiting for the president or a head government official to get on there and say, hey, they're here. They've been here for a long time. Yeah. Do you think that they're slowly now releasing the information more to get us ready? Well, a lot of people like to watch Ancient Aliens. You know, George is, Giorgio is really, really convincing. I think he's a genius. You know, mm-hmm. he's made a lot of money off it, and he's very popular. Um, I actually, I like to watch it myself. Sure. Um, I think if they're going about it slowly but surely, they've been doing it for thousands of years, and it's taken too long. I think, I don't think people really need to have a big wig that gets paid a lot of money, come on, you know, every TV set and disclose that. I, I don't think that'll ever happen. Hmm. If pe- people really need to, you know, when you see something, trust your senses. If you smell something, trust your senses. You know, you can taste something. If you see it and you know it, that's all you should need. That's, that should be your disclosure. Hmm. I, th- I don't think people really give themselves a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. When it comes to that, that's just my opinion. No, it makes a lot of sense. Can you give me an example of your from your book where you've taken some historical data and popular beliefs of UFOs and certain civilizations and what your theories are about that? Well, I can't really think of any other things that get too far into the book with that. But uh, I think the three major things of disclosure is something you know using historical facts on those dates. And people actually, you know, they, they've re-ran the newspaper articles. They've rerun the television shows showing all that. Mm. It just doesn't seem like a lot of individuals, you know, under either are just not accepting of it as being disclosure. Mm-hmm. Or they want, like, the president to come on TV. They want a UFO to land on the White House lawn. Right. You know, now, when it comes to, like, abductions and things like that, if that's okay for me to talk about. Sure. Um, I think the best example is the Betty and Barney Hill story. Yeah, I've heard that. Nobody I've, had ever... I'm sorry, I'm just saying, I, I've heard of that, but I forgot about it. It was the very first uh, time that uh, people had come forth and said, you know, I was taken into a spaceship, this had happened, that had happened. It seemed like they were like looking for genetic material, this, that, and the other thing. And, and these these people were just, you know, everyday people. Mm. Um, a lot of people can get in the whole racial issue. I don't like to look at it that way. I look at it as two honest-to-God people that were just out one night doing whatever they were doing. Something had happened. They didn't really stand to make any money off it, you know, they were violated in some way they felt they were and um they told their story they went through a lot of ridicule now they did i'm sure they made some money off being interviewed Mm -hmm. over time but that was like years after i don't really think that they were dishonest people and ever since then people have come forward and said you know 
we were abducted. We had things put in our eye. We had eggs taken. We had sperm taken. Mm -hmm. And you figure out of 100% of those people, probably a good 60 to 75% of those are made up stories. And mm -hmm. I hate to say that anybody would be dishonest, but you know as well as I do that, you know, it can be a trendy thing. People look, oh, maybe I can make make a buck off a story or two. Yeah. But when you look at the 100% of the people that have come forward and said, this happened to me, that happened to me, there's always probably about a 5 to 10% of truth. And that's the real scary thing. And I don't mean to scare children, you know, close to Halloween, but, you know, when it comes down to it, there's obviously something going on. And it's kind of a scary fact. Hmm. So are you the particular belief that crafts and aliens are coming here across the, I guess you would say across the galaxy? Or do you think that they travel interdimensionally? Because... I, you know, I kind of think about that too, because, you know, even the closest planet is, I don't know how many light years away. And so right. it's uh, to me too far to travel unless they can figure out some way to travel even faster than light speed or fold space or whatever, or they're just popping in from other dimensions. What is your theory? I'm going to say yes to all of that. Hmm. You figure a civilization that has the capability to utilize electromagnetic propulsion. Now, a lot of a lot of people will tell you that, oh, they're probably thousands of years ahead of us. A very intelligent species will understand early on. It might take them a few thousand years to figure it out, but you cannot stay on the same planet that you're on. Because eventually a comet, an asteroid or something is going to hit your planet. It's going to happen. It's unavoidable. So they're probably a space-faring you know, species. And they're probably not just thousands of years ahead of us tech, you know, technology-wise. They're probably millions of years ahead of us. Yeah. Now, to us, that's going to seem godlike. And as far as I'm concerned, you can talk about your string theory. You can talk about uh, electromagnetic propulsion units and things like that. Um, interdimensional travel. I think anything that you can imagine it can be actuality. I believe that the universe is made up of frequencies. It seems 110 hertz seems to be the magic number. For a lot of individuals and stuff like that, you can catch that on a lot of TV shows and stuff hmm. like Ancient Aliens. Interesting. I've never heard that. Anything. Anything can be possible. If you can think it up, you can imagine it. The galaxy and the universe were probably living within one large being of many. We could be micro on a microscopic level, mm -hmm. you know, thinking we're the center of the universe and that. And we've learned that we're not. Um. It could be a cosmic web that advances our civilization. You just have to be able to kind of goes into enlightenment. Mm -hmm. If you can meditate to a certain degree, if you're really intelligent and you've learned to meditate and close your mind and, you know, put it at rest, you can tune into those, you know, cosmic rays. And, you know, you, it's like when you're in a dream state, mm -hmm. you do a lot of your thinking when you're asleep. 
some nights you can't sleep, you wake up, you're thinking about this, that, and the other thing. I think that's how intelligent grows. Yeah, it makes sense. One thing is, and I agree with you, that cosmologically speaking, uh, another civilization or another planet may be, let's say, you know, 10 million years ahead of us, 100 million years, but cosmologically speaking, even 100 million years isn't that big of a difference when you're talking of billions of years of planets. Even if a planet was 1 million years ahead of us, cosmologically, that's nothing. But technologically, that's huge. And It really I, is. Yeah, and I mean, as we walk around on the street and we see ants on the ground and just walk right by them and don't even think about it, they could be in ships just flying right by and we're ants on the ground for them and not even pay attention to us. There is an individual, I don't know where, I saw this on a television show probably about a year ago. He took a, um, God, what kind of camera do they call those? It basically, boy, it's just escaping me. Um, basically left a camera on a hilltop where he saw a UFO. And he just left it there for like 24 hours. And what he did is he went back and he slowed it down and he actually saw the same craft returning and leaving the hillside. So mm-hmm. apparently some of these in- individuals or species have the technology where it, like you said, can fly right by. You wouldn't even notice it because they understand how fast their eyes their eyes work. So when you slow down the film and timestamp it, you can actually see them. Hmm. They're they're like everywhere, but you can't see them because you can only move your eyes so quick to see something, and you're not always paying attention to what's going on around you. We're always looking at these anyway. Yeah. So, are you a Star Trek fan? Big time. Big time, yeah. There's an old one where there's some kind of being and he's hurt and he's made out of silicon and they're trying to figure out how to help it. And, you know, it's Scott and it's with the doc with bones and Spock. And finally at the end, they heal it and Spock mind melds with it. And they thought it was just some kind of blob on the ground and it finally turns into energy and disappears. But, and after Spock mind melds. That was one it, of my favorite. Yeah, I love that. Where he said something like, compared to that, we're just basically like an amoeba. That's where we are. It was it was a very compassionate episode. You got to see a little bit of Spock's emotion when it came to that. He basically mind-melded the creature. It was on a planet where they were mining certain materials and mm-hmm. stuff for, you know, their technology and stuff. And uh it's like anything else. It's like if you sit in your backyard, mm-hmm. and uh, this is actually one of my books. I'm going to kind of give it away. It's a really nice story. A lot of people, if you take the time to listen, everything around you will communicate with you. Mm. I mean, this is my opinion, which I think is fact, but a lot of people might dismiss it and say, oh, you're, you're crazy. But me and my wife raised three you know, three different generations of squirrels in the backyard. And this is something my wife actually started. I came home from work. She was out back and I saw her like reaching under her lawn chair because she was sunning herself. And it turns out she was feeding a squirrel by hand. Now, this is something a lot of people are, are starting to really realize. And, and the, the, you know, they put videos out on squirrels and stuff they rescued and stuff. But this one just, you know, came out of nowhere. 
and is really, really trusting. You, you figure these things get, you know, run over by cars every day, so they're not going to be, you know, very trusting. But if you take the time to sit on your porch and just look at the trees, uh, listen to, you know, the animals and the birds and stuff like that, you, you really can learn a lot. It's like I can sit there, I can look, I can sit out back and I can watch a tree move and I can tell you when it's going to rain or what the weather is going to be that day just by watching how a tree moves with a breeze. Mm -hmm. You know, if we can't sit down and do that, why do people think that aliens are even going to want to talk to us, even if they've been here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you make a good point. So on your second book, Strange AF, is that basically a follow-up to your first book, or would you say that is a completely different book on its own? Originally, it was going to be a follow-up, but mm -hmm. I ended up from... I wanted to broaden my horizons. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, for my next book, mm -hmm. I'm trying to come up with a space opera. You know, I want to be George Lucas, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, we'll see how that pans out. But no, it originally did start out as a sequel. And then I, I decided to add more things to it. Mm -hmm. And everything, of course, is, you, you can't you can't put these things on Facebook or a lot of other social media things because they'll shut you down. Mm -hmm. Because uh, the last thing they want is truth out there or something close to the truth. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of money to be made especially with government. So I'll let people grab the book and look at that. But for like examples, um, I went into like the last couple chapters, I went into uh, toxic masculinity, things like that. Um, theories that are going around how people react to certain, you know, issues that are going on in our society. Of course, I went on about, you know, what's going on today with uh the things going on today, basically since March. Right. I don't want to get into detail about that because I'm trying to be respectful because mm -hmm. a lot of people have a lot of different beliefs and uh, I'm, I'm not looking to offend anybody. Right. In your new book, Strange AF, uh, one of your chapters, I believe, is about reincarnation. And yes. So what are your thoughts on reincarnation? I believe it's very possible that it's real. It's like I said before, um, anything you can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm is a possibility. Mm -hmm. Now I was born, I was baptized Catholic when I was 11 years old. And I can tell you right now, the Catholics, and I don't want to offend anybody. Catholics are, they do not believe in it. It doesn't fit their narrative. Um, it's something they don't want to discuss mm -hmm. with the public and stuff like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, they seem to be coming around to the thought that there might be extraterrestrial life out there. But when it comes to reincarnation, I got to tell you, I'm a believer. Hmm. Do you believe in soul groups? I'm not really certain what a soul group is. Is that like enlightenment maybe? Well, some people believe is, is that you have a group of people, you know, maybe five or 10 people. I don't know if there's an exact number that you all keep reincarnating together over and over. This life, I'm your brother. Next life, you're my father. Next life, you're my sister, you know what I mean? You know, our next life we're married, you know, whatever. You have this group of people that keep reincarnating together. Well, I can honestly tell you, I've actually been considered dead for a couple months. Hmm. I was kind of back in the early 90s. Hmm. So I really didn't see anything. I don't hmm. remember anything hmm. happening. Hmm. Hmm. But I've heard a lot of different theories on it, and mm -hmm. 
really, when you think about it, it really makes sense. Mm -hmm. I've also heard an interesting, you know, it was an interesting story. I heard that maybe there's only one of us here and it's all of us, if that makes any sense to you, one soul, many bodies. Hmm. And we go through life to learn how to be, how to treat people, how to act, become wise, get enlightened. And it's like a chance for all of us. And then when you do pass away in this life, you have a meeting or something with a higher intellect and um, you either become godlike or you are sent back to earth to as a mortal to try again yeah i can't think of what that theory is called but i think it's very close relative of reincarnation yeah i don't know if there's an actual name for it but i believe that a lot of people think that you keep coming back for either trying to learn the same lesson that you keep failing or you're coming back for different lessons you know i mean I, I, i've been around a long time so i got a lot to learn <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've just done a, you know a lot of podcasts, but I don't know all the answers, and I've never had an NDE, so I can't even say, you know, this is what I saw. I kind of go from what my guests have told me. So oh, the um, man that says probably knows nothing, and the person that knows nothing probably knows everything. So <laughs> you never know. You know, one thing I find is interesting is is that as far as I know people or science still has no idea how our brain itself even creates consciousness. This piece of meat inside of our head, how the heck does that even create consciousness? And then I well, think... Some... Interesting question one time. The brain named itself, but it doesn't know how it works. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but I think some people will even say that maybe the con our consciousness constructed all this you know even constructed the all this is just constructed by our consciousness i don't know i mean that's a kind of a out there one too because then we all have to be on some agreement that you know this is a microphone <laughs> you know what i mean we have to be on some kind of agreement of of physical reality so all the more questions that are answered the more questions are raised right right are you aware of any current UFO sightings? Have you been keeping up? I've heard about this, something that went down in New Jersey recently, but then I think I read about more that it ended up being a blimp. I really don't know. I think I heard something in the news about it. The, the big thing was the videos that they released uh, that were in 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, it really amazed me that the Navy actually came out with those stories and the government allowed it to go. Yeah. As I was saying before, I was wondering if that's preparing us, slowly leaking information to get us ready. Because, you know, maybe if, if they did, people will just panic and go nuts. I don't know. Well, look how they were. With, <laughs> look how they were in March. Yeah. You know, to me, maybe we're ready for it. Maybe we're not. Yeah. Well, I think you kind of mentioned that you're working on another book. Are you working on another book or do you have any other projects that you're working on that you would like people to know about? Right now, basically, I'm, I'm like I said, I was trying. I'm thinking about doing a space opera. I'm not mm -hmm. really sure. Um, I'm so, coming up with character names, coming mm -hmm. up with uh, spaceships, you know, stuff like that. Trying to come up with new things that haven't been seen on like Star Trek, Buck Rogers, or Star Wars. 
Mm-hmm. I'd like something original that nobody else has thought of. It's basically in the discovery stage right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also thought about another, you know, knowledgeable book with mm-hmm. a flashy title. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I think I'm about probably three months out before I start actually writing anything right now. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of thought. How long does it take you to write a book? It takes me about three to four months to study, do my research. Mm-hmm. Probably about three months to actually write it once I get going. Mm. Yeah, I had an author on before once. He's written about, I don't know, 21, 22, 23 books. And he said that if you just write 500 words a day, which is about 15 minutes, is all you need to do. 15 minutes every day, you should be able to get about 500 words. And maybe in about, like you right. said, about three months, you'll have a book. Some people have taken years. I heard somebody writing a book for 25 years. Wow. And I, I'm just like, that has to be a very large book. And I got to tell you, in these days when you're formatting a book, which my manager handled for me, mm-hmm. it's very tedious. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, if it's on Amazon, God love them. Yeah. So where can we find your books? On Amazon? Amazon. Are you selling them anywhere else or just Amazon? Right now, basically through Amazon, there was uh, another place where I got my first book published. It was called uh, Smashwords. That's where I got the first one published through, and then I ended up selling it through Amazon because their website was kind of wishy-washy. Some days it'd be up, some days it'd be down. Hmm. So we just decided Amazon was the way to go for right now. Okay. If anybody out there had suggestions, I'd be very open to them. I wish I could help you on that one. I know Amazon works with a lot of uh, physical bookstores and stuff, which I, I got to tell you, it's what I like to do when I like to go to Toledo, Ohio mm-hmm. or something. I'll go into any bookstore they got. And it's something I've always liked to do as I read. I don't read as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Most of the reading I do is research now and stuff and, you know, Facebook and media sites and stuff like that, trying to get ideas. All right. What are ways people can find you? Do you have a Facebook? Do you have a website? Actually, it's it's interesting that you should say it. My manager made me an actual website and she'll probably finish it over the weekend. All right. Right now I can be found on Facebook. I can be found on Twitter. I'm an old man, so Facebook seems to work for me. Mm-hmm. I don't what like it- all the demographics. What is your Facebook page called? Strange AF. Okay. Is one of the, it's also a group. Is it a private group or an open group? Everything is public with me. I put everything right out there so people can find it and get to know me better by my posts. And I allow people to post on my, on my page. Apparently I'm the only one that can post on there, which I don't like. Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to find a setting to allow people to actually post on there, but they can comment. Mm-hmm. On the group, you have a back and forth thing. Other people can post. I can post. And most of the posts that are put on there, I, I'm i open to. I like to hear everybody's ideas and what they think. Mm, that's great. You know, it helps. All right. So you said your wife is creating a website. Do you have a website address yet? That you would have to ask her. And she's just smiling at me right now. I don't think she's got that <laughs> yet. She thought w- it would be a w- good w- idea to have, and I'm all for it. Yeah. She's a lot more intelligent than I am, so. You could at least start, like, maybe a blogger website. Like, I don't know, you know, there's. That's what she's doing. Like, yep. at least blogger things, you know, um, Scott Fine blogger, or I don't you know, scottfine.com. I'm not sure how they set up those blogger domain names. I think you have to look under mysteries or Scott Fine 571 mm-hmm. dot W-I-X. Dot com slash mysteries. 
Right. Maybe you can post it on your Facebook page. So for everybody listening, yeah, yeah. The, probably the easiest way to find him is go to Strange AF on Facebook and you should be able to find him. Or if you want to check out his books, you should be able to, you could probably easily just search up Scott Fine on Amazon and find you. Buy the book. There it is. You can find him there because just pulling up the. It's cool. All right, Scott. Well, before we wrap it up here, do you have one last message that you'd like to share with the audience? I would like to see everybody start to love each other. And I know that sounds like uh 60s stuff. I'd like mm-hmm. to see people a lot more optimistic. Mm-hmm. I know everybody is going through a real rough time right now. And I hate repeating what everybody else says. Mm-hmm. don't believe everything you see on the news people are making money off it um just be just be nicer to each other you know there's a whole world out there to explore you don't need to have your face in your phone all the time start paying attention you might find something interesting other than your phone yeah yeah i agree that's a great message and watch his podcast because this guy is pretty cool i gotta tell you for wanting a nobody like me on a show Mm-hmm. That really is a huge honor. Well, you got to change that statement because you're not a nobody. So you got to say, hey, "I'm a nobody." I think you're. I think you're. I think you're a great guy. I think you are an accomplished guy because you wrote two books and whatever else you've done in your life. So I'm just trying to give some positivity back to you. I appreciate that. Don't say a nobody like me because everybody's somebody, right? And just remember, guys, that you don't need a college education or a degree to really make something of yourself. You just have to have the drive and the application. Yeah, That's all there is to it. That's if you don't have that, you're going to be woulda, shoulda, coulda. Yeah. yeah. Everybody has the power to do something. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you just make things happen. You know, there's a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk and... He basically talks about everybody has ideas. Ideas are nothing because everybody has them. What matters is the person who acts on the idea, who executes. Everybody has it. Yeah, so you just have some drive, get the do the work, execute, and get it done. And obviously, you've done that. You've got two of them done. I waited too long in my life to start doing this. That's okay. So. I got a few, I've got probably got about 30 years left to do this and I'm mm-hmm. hoping to do make something of it. Mm-hmm. Make some kind of small change to the world if I can. Mm-hmm. You know, just giving back. That's great. You can do it. All right, Scott. Well, I appreciate your time this evening. I wish you massive success with your books and all your further books as well. Thank you so much. I wish you the best of success and thank you very much thank you. for having me on the show. All right. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, and have a great weekend. You too. Thank you so much.